sometimes controversial, always politically incorrect, and pro-life without exception, without compromise, and without apology. It's the Pro-Life America podcast with your hosts, Sarah Waits and the president of Life Dynamics, Mark Crutcher. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Pro-Life America podcast. As you heard, I'm Mark Crutcher, and sitting across from me is one of the usual suspects, Sarah Waits. Hello, everyone. Before we get started, Mark, there's a video going around on, I think, primarily Instagram, but the video shows what appears to be a man trying to force a woman to get an abortion. He's trying to pull her into the clinic and is shouting things like, you're not keeping our kid and I don't want this kid. And of course the woman shakes him off of her, you know, cause he's grabbing her and tells him to leave her alone. But there's so many comments on this video. It was really drawing for a lot of people to see. And I just want people to, to remember that this is a scenario that unfolds all the time around this country. Every day. And the media and the women's movements, the abortion rights movements, none of them talk about this. And women are attacked for refusing to have abortions. Yeah, we did a study on this, and we just concentrated on women who'd been killed, not just attacked, mm-hmm. but actually murdered mm-hmm. for refusing to have abortions. And basically, this goes to something that early feminists who were all pro-life, opposed to the legalization of abortion, mm-hmm. is an argument they made that abortion serves the interest of sexually irresponsible and sexually predatory males, not mm-hmm. women. Yeah. And... There have been some studies out there showing that a very high percentage, in excess of half, of all the women who have abortions in this country say they are being forced or coerced to do so by someone in their life, usually Mm -hmm. the male who got them pregnant and doesn't want to take responsibility. But sometimes it's their parents or the boy's parents. Yeah. When we studied this, we found that one of the biggest culprits in this is the mother Mm -hmm. of the boy who got the girl pregnant. So there's all kinds of these little dynamics going on out there. But again, the media, the abortion industry, these so-called women's groups, which are just shills for the mm-hmm. for the godless left, they don't care. Even the abortion industry itself knows that that's a problem. On National Abortion Federation tapes, you know, at their organization meetings where they come together and they talk about problems and issues facing the abortion industry, they talk about how they know that women are being forced or coerced to have abortions. And they talk about it with kind of disapproving tones and this is terrible, but at the same time, make it very clear that they don't feel any sort of obligation to do anything about it. That at the end of the day, if the woman chooses to have an abortion, even though she's coerced, pressured, or threatened, she still made that choice. So she was still fulfilling her quote, quote, right to choice. Like you're saying, we have some of those tapes Mm -hmm. that are astonishing, but There was one on there who actually said that she was quite aware of this problem. This was a clinic director. Mm -hmm. And that they encounter this problem basically on a daily basis. She said, but in the end, if the woman caves into the pressure or the threats or the violence or whatever, Mm -hmm. like you say, she did that on her own and she made her own decision. Well, by that standard, then no woman could ever be raped. Yeah. If a guy pulls a gun on a woman and says... You know, we're going to have sex and she doesn't want to, but she caves in because he's got a gun on her. Then yeah. she she voluntarily decided to have sex so she can't be raped. Yeah, that viewpoint is just absolutely astounding. But what can you expect from somebody who is there to make money from abortions? And so at the end of the day, it's all about profit for them. Well, remember, they say it's about choice, but there's no money if the woman unchooses. Mm-hmm. 
If she decides not to have an abortion, the abortion industry doesn't make any money. So this issue is super important, and I think it's especially important for females when they're dating. And so I really recommend that everybody go and read that report and then share it with everyone that you know. Yep, it's scary. And uh, it's so aggravating that the media mm -hmm. ignores this. Yeah. And you say, well, maybe they don't know. We went out of our way mm -hmm. to make sure that they knew. And I want to make a comparison here. Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine that there was all this documentation out there, like what we have as far as documentation of women being killed for refusing to go to have abortions. Mm -hmm. What if there was a lot of documentation out there about women who were killed because they had abortions? Mm -hmm. Are refusing to go to a crisis pregnancy center. Yeah. I guarantee you this would be front page news all over the country and there would be congressional investigations into it. Mm -hmm. But because these women are being forced to have abortions, nobody cares. And yeah, I think it's especially hypocritical for the quote, quote, women's movement to be silent on this because this is the same movement that is supposed to be speaking out on all sorts of things, including women's choice, right? What kind of choice do you think a woman has when she's being threatened? or coerced, or being physically dragged, as you see in this video, by this guy who's shouting at her, you're not keeping our kid. What choice do you think that she actually has? And by the way- Is this your definition of empowerment? And by the way, as outrageous as this particular video is- Yeah. It's pretty minor compared to some of the stuff that we found and documented in police records and autopsy reports and so forth about what happens to most women in this situation. Yeah. So. Anyway, I would suggest that people go to our website and read the report because this is a very important issue. And apparently, we're the only ones who care about it, or the pro-life mm -hmm. movement's the only one that care about it, and certainly nobody else is saying anything. Anyway, I want to talk for a moment here about something we talked about before, and I even put out a little thing called the pact. This is kind of a more cheerful continuation of last week. <laughs> yeah, last week we talked about lack of unity in the pro-life movement, and how important it was, but the fact that we still win, even if we don't have unity, and we're not going to have unity, that's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. But there is a thing, what I call the George Bailey syndrome. For people who have not seen It's a Wonderful, it's a wonderful Life, life right. because they live under a rock. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and tell them who George Bailey yeah, is. Yeah, there's a movie called It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Christmas movie, which Christmas this is the movie. perfect time of year to go watch it. Right. And it's, I think it's, it's on, on about, Amazon Prime. You can go watch it there. It's on about 900 times every Christmas on every station in the country. But Actually, I think it's probably 901. <laughs> I didn't know that we had a number, actual number. <laughs> But anyway, George Bailey was a guy who was going through some hard times in his life and some failures. And at the beginning of the movie, he's standing on this bridge. It's snowing and it's cold and there's an icy river below and he's fixing to commit suicide and jump into the river because he was allowing his life to be defined by its failures. Mm -hmm. And he thought he was no good and had accomplished nothing. And he's visited by an angel, Clarence, mm -hmm. who shows him what his little community would have been like had he not lived. Mm -hmm. And in the end, George Bailey turned around and figured out that, you know, his life had counted for something and that he had accomplished things. And he had a tremendous impact on the people around him, even though yep. he didn't realize it. Well, I think this George Bailey syndrome affects the pro-life movement in a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely. And I hear people, I have people call me and say, you know, I don't feel like we've accomplished anything. We've We've been at this for almost 50 years. There's still thousands of babies being butchered every year. Mm -hmm. There seems to be no end in sight, and we really haven't accomplished that much. And I want to bring up a couple of things here. First off, 
When I started Life Dynamics in 1992, we did a survey of abortion clinics in the country. There were over 2,100. As I remember, the number was 2,126. Freestanding. Freestanding abortion clinics. Which means it's not included in a hospital or anything like that. No, or another clinic or whatever. Yeah. It's just a freestanding abortion clinic. At that time, the abortion rate was over 5,000 a day. Hmm. 1.7 million a year was the abortion rate. These abortion clinics, they were making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were doing a lot of abortions. The abortion rate was going up. Today, there are only about 500 abortion clinics left, freestanding abortion clinics left in America. We've closed down, and I say we, I don't mean life dynamics. I'm not trying to claim we're totally responsible for this. We've done our part, but Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the pro-life movement as a whole. We've shut down over three-fourths of all the abortion clinics in the country permanently. Mm -hmm. The abortion rate has gone from 5,000 a day to far less than 2,000 a day. And the question I have for people, I want you to think about this, is was the pro-life movement just a bystander to all this? We had nothing to do with it. We were just standing on the sidelines watching all this And it just happened, happen. though. Yeah. That's nonsense. Yeah, we don't. Exactly. We shouldn't believe that. The abortion industry certainly doesn't believe it. Mm-hmm. I want to paint a picture here of what the country would be like had the pro-life movement never existed. First off, there would be abortion clinics in every mall and strip shopping center in the country. Yeah. And we would have abortion clinics in high schools and universities. And you think that's far-fetched, but the abortion industry is out here openly stating that. In fact, they've even tried doing that. I can put links in the description of school districts where Planned Parenthood tried to get themselves in the school health clinic. So if you think that Planned Parenthood and all these other abortion conglomerates are not interested in being in high schools and college campuses, you're crazy. You're nuts. In fact, I wrote an article for our newsletter, The Pro-Life Voice, talking about one of the things that's affecting college campuses right now is that these companies are putting in Plan B vending machines. And they have tried to open up facilities inside malls Mm -hmm. with no success, but they've tried it. If it weren't for the pro-life movement fighting all this stuff, it would have already been accomplished, I guarantee you. The other thing we need to remember is that without the pro-life movement, the unborn child would be totally invisible today. We would not even be discussing whether they have a right to life or a right to exist or whatever. They would be totally invisible if it were not for the pro-life movement. Who else was going to bring them up? Mm -hmm. Who else was going to fight for them? And I also assure you that abortion would now be the default position for every unplanned pregnancy. And crisis pregnancy centers wouldn't even exist because there would be no reason for them. Yeah. Abortion would also be the accepted medical treatment for any baby diagnosed as less than perfect or the wrong gender. Yeah. Again, if you think that's crazy, was it the Netherlands basically yeah. bragging about what they say is eradicating Down syndrome? Well, they didn't eradicate it. They just aborted it. They just kill all the babies that have it. Well, you can yeah. eradicate anything. Yeah. We can end homelessness today. We just round up all the homeless people and shoot them, and we don't have a homeless problem anymore. So, yeah, if you want to kill enough people, in this case the unborn, you can eliminate any problem. And no one, by the way, if it were not for the pro-life movement, would be objecting to aborted babies being chopped up and sold for spare parts or used in some kind of ghastly medical experiment. Mm-hmm. Nobody would be objecting to that. Yeah. And I guarantee you, every abortion in this country would be paid for with tax dollars and every member of the medical community would be required to participate in abortions, every one of them. As you've mentioned and as we've seen, the abortion industry by and large is aging. 
and there's not a lot of new blood that's coming in. Recruitment, it's hard for them. And so if you can't naturally recruit people who want to become abortionists and deal with abortion, then your next step is to require people. They're going to be forcing them to. Yeah. Or they won't be licensed Mm -hmm. to practice medicine. And the list of this stuff goes on and on. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, if it hadn't been for the pro-life movement, America would have long ago devolved into a country where the killing of an unborn child is no more morally significant than pulling a decayed tooth. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly what the pro-choice side wants everyone to believe. And because of all these other things that we've talked about here, our abortion rate would not have plummeted. It would have exploded. Mm -hmm. As horrible as it is to think about the fact that we're standing on the graves of 65 million dead babies, had it not been for the pro-life movement, that number would not be 65 million. It'd be 150 million or 250 million or who knows how many. Yeah. Now, if you think that we're exaggerating this or that this is not realistic. You think we've got tinfoil hats on? (laughs) Yeah, we got our tinfoil hats and our little antennas sticking up. I want to use it as a model, the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. because it was the first industrialized nation in the world to legalize abortion on demand. Well, not just legalized abortion on demand. They outlawed having a pro-life movement. They outlawed any opposition to it. Any organized opposition to abortion was banned by the Soviet government. Now, when the Soviet Union finally broke up, they were having a lot of health problems, especially health problems with women. And researchers started looking at some of the what they thought might be the causes of these problems they were having. As a part of that research that they did, they discovered that during the time the Soviet Union existed, Soviet women were having an average of nine abortions. The average Soviet woman was having nine abortions during her childbearing years. They also documented that 90% of all first pregnancies and 60% of all subsequent pregnancies were legally aborted. And many others ended in illegal or unreported abortions. We saw one where there was a part of the Soviet Union Mm -hmm. where it was common for women to have 20 to 25 abortions. Wow. In effect, what the Soviet Union was, was a prototype for what happens in a country when the abortion industry is allowed to operate. Unfettered, Yeah, no opposition, no restraints, Mm -hmm. just willy-nilly. And I'm telling you right now, There is absolutely no reason in the world why that would not have happened right here in the United States Mm -hmm. had it not been for the pro-life movement. Yeah. So I think the point that we need to be making here is that there's no denying that 2,000 babies still being killed every day is a national disgrace. It is a national disgrace. But on the other side of that coin, 3,000 babies a day are living that weren't before. And each and every one of those lives is extremely valuable. Even if we only saved one, right, it would have been worth it. Yeah, and the 3,000 you're talking about, let's make sure people understand. In 92, the abortion rate was 5,000 a day. Today, it's less than 2,000. Mm-hmm. So even if the abortion rate would have remained consistent, which it wouldn't have, it would have gone way up without mm-hmm. the pro-life movement. But even if it just remained consistent, 3,000 more babies would be being killed today than are being killed. And you can't say that that's not the result of the efforts made by the pro-life movement because nobody else has argued on behalf of the unborn, has done anything mm-hmm. on behalf of the unborn. And we still have a long way to go. When you've got mm-hmm. 2,000 innocent, helpless babies being butchered every day, that means we still have a long way to go. But to belittle or ignore the accomplishments of the pro-life movement is nonsense. Yeah. 
you know, you said a moment ago, these 3,000 babies that are not being killed, that would have been killed, had it not been for what the pro-life movement has done, are important and valuable. When you dismiss the accomplishments of the pro-life movement, what you're saying is that those 3,000 babies don't matter. They don't count. Yeah. And I think the thing we need to take away from all of this is, and we could talk about this all day, and I want to encourage anyone out there, if you'll just go on our website, we'll send you one of the packs. Yeah, I'll put the link in the description. You can either get it in PDF version if you want, or you can request a printed copy. Printed copy, either way. Mm -hmm. But you can go on our website, or you can call us, and we will happily send you one for free. I think everybody needs to read this because it, it lets you see what you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, we've had a lot of failures and we've made a lot of mistakes. And you know what? We're going to have more failures and make more mistakes. We're human beings. And no one ever promised us that what we're trying to do would be easy. But we must never allow, and we must stop allowing in the cases where we are doing it, we must never allow Satan to rub our noses in our failures. Mm-hmm. The truth is, we've already saved millions of babies and we save thousands more every day. And yes, that's a fact. And I want people to think about two things. First off, we're not required to be perfect. And it's a good thing because we certainly aren't. Yeah. We're just required to be faithful. And second, you and I, meaning... The, the pro-life pe- movement. The not, pro-life not specifically movement. Mark and Sarah. Not necessarily Mark and Sarah, although we are part of that movement. But the pro-life movement is the only thing standing between unborn children and the ruthless savages who make up the abortion lobby. Yeah. If we don't protect them, who's going to? Mm -hmm. If we don't fight for them, who's going to? It's really important to consider your community level because that's where lives are being saved. That's where lives are on the line. In your community, you and your fellow pro-lifers are the only thing standing between the abortion industry and those children. That's right. And as you know, Sarah, and we've talked about on several shows lately, we're working on a new project that we'll be releasing in 2022 Mm -hmm. to deal with that issue of fighting abortion in your local community and quit worrying about the Supreme Court and the Congress and the Senate and these politicians that we elect and then they betray us. Mm-hmm. We can uh, work around them and uh, bring an end to this. But let's remember something. 2,000 years ago, we were told that the gates of hell would not prevail against us. We were given that promise. And if you don't think that the front door of an abortion clinic is a gate into hell, you had not been paying attention. Then you need to go read Live 5. You need to read Live 5. You need to educate yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. The front door of an abortion clinic, when you open that door and you walk in, you are walking into hell. And we were told that if we stormed those gates, we would not be denied victory. So we've been promised the victory. And that means our only duty is to storm the gates. Mm-hmm. And if we do that, God has already said you're going to be victorious. He didn't promise us it would be easy. He didn't promise us it would come quickly. He didn't promise us it would come at any particular time. It'll come when he's ready for it to come. My takeaway from the Bible is that God does two things. One, he loves an underdog. Why? Because it shows his power and his ability. He does instrumental and important things with the underdog. And two, God takes something that is hurting, that is broken, that is rough around the edges and makes it beautiful. God brings beauty into our lives and into the world. Whereas Satan takes something beautiful and tries to wreck it. And that's what I'm saying. We don't have to be perfect. God Mm -hmm. is perfect. He'll take care of the perfect part of this thing. Our job is just to be faithful, 
He puts us on the battlefield where he wants us to be. And our job is to fight right there. We don't have to worry about the overall picture. The overall picture has already been painted for us. Mm -hmm. And we've already been told what the outcome is. We have to do our duty. And we don't always do it well. Mm -mm. We don't always do the right things. And sometimes we're motivated by things that we shouldn't be motivated by. But the fact is, if we will storm the gates, he will provide the victory. You either have to believe that or you have to believe that God lied to us. And I'm just not ready to believe that. I'm just not prepared to believe that God lied to us. I think he told us the truth. I know he did. Well, and I think we have to look at it one day at a time, one life at a time. And our our goal for today, please let me save one more. Even if I only save one baby, let me save one more. Yeah, well, you know, that's one of the things that I tell new people when they come here is that you may not always know it when you save babies, but you do. You do save babies. And sometimes you do know it. You know, you and I had an incident here probably... Probably been about four or five months. Oh, I think it's been longer than that. No, you're crazy. Yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy. (laughs) But anyway, a crisis pregnancy center called us Mm -hmm. and needed some help with a a -hmm. girl that they were dealing with, a young girl. Yeah. I think she was 15, if I'm not mistaken. She was a teen. That's all I remember. And she was being forced to have an abortion Mm -hmm. against her will. By her family. By her mother, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we intervened and helped this girl make the decision that she wanted to make, which was that she'd Mm -hmm. not kill her baby. We never heard anything else about it. We gave our ideas and told them what we could do to help. and We let them take it from there. And the CPC took it from there. Mm-hmm. What was it, about three weeks ago? Mm-hmm. I got a call from yeah. that CPC director saying that that baby had been born mm-hmm. and that the baby was now the entire center of that family's life. Everybody was in love with Even that baby. the mom. The grandmother mm-hmm. that wanted to kill the baby mm-hmm. is now the one that's doting on the baby. Mm-hmm. And she said, I just want to let you guys know that the help you gave us saved that baby's life. And so I just thought I'd pass that along, which was great because almost exclusively when we provide these sort of services, we never find out what the end result is. Mm -hmm. The local pro-life group or the local CPC is the one that's involved and we never hear anything else about it. Mm -hmm. So it was neat to hear that this little boy was born and was now the center of this whole family's life. But anyway, you just have to have faith that if you do what God tells you to do, he will bring the victory, and he will. Mm-hmm. And we don't know when it's coming. It may be next week. We may not live long enough to see it. Who knows? That's not what's important. Yeah. What's important is that we fight the battle at the place where God puts us. He puts us where he wants us. And all you can do is all you can do. All you can do is all you can do. And that's all he expects you to do. So anyway, I wanted to talk about this George Bailey syndrome because it comes up pretty routinely. Well, and this is the season, I think, Christmas time is the season for hope and miracles and grace, right. I think, embracing grace and forgiveness. And I think this is a time not where we just forgive and give grace to others, but within ourselves as well. And I think this is an incredibly important message, and especially as the theme of it is kind of in a Christmas movie, your favorite Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. My favorite Christmas movie is A Christmas in Connecticut, which doesn't have quite the same impact. <laughs> but still a good movie nonetheless. Yeah, well, It's a Wonderful Life is the tale of human beings. Mm-hmm. And it's the tale of a guy who's applying a standard to himself that he would not apply to anyone else. Yeah. Anyone else in that same situation, he'd say, well, look, you're a good guy. No, your, your life is not a waste of time. You haven't wasted your life. You just made some mistakes and some things have kind of gotten out of hand. And 
some of them not even your fault. Mm-hmm. That's what he'd tell other people, but he didn't do that to himself. Yeah. And that's the issue that I'm trying to raise here because I see so many pro-lifers who have applied a standard to themselves that they wouldn't apply to other people. They mm-hmm. would be more charitable. We are our own worst enemy. We are our own worst enemies, and this is a good example of it. But I just want the whole pro-life movement to know, even the parts of the pro-life movement with which we might disagree or think that what they're doing you know, is marginally valuable, if at all valuable, and people that we have turf battles with and might not agree with, the fact is that as a whole, working together, even without unity, the pro-life movement has accomplished things that if you went back to the beginning of this battle and said that this is what we were going to accomplish, people would have laughed at you. Mm-hmm. They thought the pro-life movement wouldn't last six months. And by all rights, if it was a worldly standard, when you look at what we've had against us, we shouldn't have lasted six months. We've lasted all these years because God deemed that we last all these years. Mm-hmm. He is preparing the victory. We just have to do our part and be faithful. Anyway, we that's all the time I have. Yeah, we're not going to have a episode next week due to oh, Christmas. That's, that's right. But we want to go ahead and wish you guys a very Merry Christmas. And we will be back the week after Christmas. Yeah, you'll be hearing from us again in two weeks. But like uh, Sarah said, we want to wish every one of you a very Merry Christmas. And just know that you know the whole country has been through some trying times, and the trying times are not over. It's been one adventurous, interesting year. (laughs) Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. And there's more to come. Mm -hmm. But we're tougher than our problems. Yep. And we will come out of this on the other end one way or the other. Anyway, that's all I have until not next Thursday, but a week from Thursday. Remember, Life Dynamics is not here to put up a good fight. Mm -mm, We're here to win. Because winning is how the killing stops. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye, guys. Merry Christmas.